supporting you in your dog parenting journey. The Dynamic Dog Owner with Debbie Potter. And welcome to this week's episode of the Dynamic Dog Owner. This week we are joined by Kevin Spurgeon from Dignity Pet Crematorium. And um, as you know, the podcast is about supporting dog owners throughout their parenting journey. And that isn't just the puppy stages or the training. That's the whole life we lead with our pets, even the part at the end that nobody looks forward to where we have to say goodbye to our beloved pets after sharing a wonderful life together. So Kevin is going to talk to us a little bit about what he does and how that is so important um, at the end of the journey to know your options and obviously prepare for saying goodbye to your pets. So hello, Kevin, and welcome. Hello so there. There was a little bit of a delay on this, so we may have a little bit of a delay sometimes. Um, so first of all, I suppose um, the question is, how did you get into working um, or running a pet crematorium? So, yeah, um, and let's face it, a bit of a bizarre thing to do for most people thinking, how, how do you get into that? Um, so... Many years ago, just over 30, it's 31 years to be precise, my parents, uh, my father was a fashion agent at the time. Um, he saw a documentary and it was on uh, how pets are treated after they die and what happens to them behind the scenes at the vets and the kind of companies that would take them away and kind of process them, really. Um, and he thought, there's no way my dog is going to be treated like that. Uh, we had a wonderful German shepherd called Brutus and a, another one called Caesar at the time, as well as a couple of cats as well. Um, uh, Timothy and Poppy. And, and uh, this, this, this wonderful dog, Brutus, was getting towards the end of his life. Um, and it was something they started to think about. So... Uh, this prompted him to think, I don't want this for my dog. Um, so what else is out there? So he went and looked and saw there was a, a few places dotted around who would look after a cremation respectfully, uh, but nowhere really near us. So he thought, OK, if no one else is going to do it properly, I'm going to. So going Amazing. from selling ladies' clothes. <laughs> um, to, what a transition. Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, and, and it just coincided at the right time as well. You know, I, I do think there's a thing in the world called synchronicity in life. And, and, and uh, they just moved to this wonderful place uh, where I'm sitting now. I'm, I'm now living in what was there at their home, um, which is based at the Pet Crematorium. Um, and uh, we had this old disused brick kiln in the garden. Uh, at the time I was a kid and... and I was looking forward to that being my playroom. Um, but no, uh, instead, they decided to put a pet cremator in there. And uh, that's where the pets uh, originally started being cremated. It's, it's still used today. Amazing. Wow. Um, so I suppose it was that natural progression of carrying on the family business for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing this. I was trying to work it out. I think about 20 years now, um, I left my job. Mum and dad were getting uh, a bit more well-known because of the way they were doing it. Um, and people were finding them and, and, and uh, yeah, they could, just couldn't do it all themselves. Um, plus also the internet was was uh, getting out there. And of course, at their age, they hadn't got a clue about that and didn't want to know. Um, and so I came in, I left my job. Um, I was a housing manager. So again, completely different. Um, always loved pets, but never thought I would be someone running a pet crematorium um, and just joined them, took a salary cut, lost my company car and, and came here and started driving a pet hearse instead. Wow. Wow. Um, and obviously I've heard about you. The reason I, I know about um, Dignity is that I saw your social media. Um, I think it was about five, six years ago now. Um, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Again, my dog was getting to that stage. Um, and I thought, well, I'm just going to follow their page. Um, because obviously, as you know, that's where we come across these things. I didn't know what you do exists until I happened to see, um, say, a social media post or a link somewhere um, and then started to find out more about it. And I knew from that moment, I'm using you when I need to. 
um, and I did. Um, so I suppose that's where obviously you've transformed the business to let it be known to more people and to sort of publicise it in the world of the internet. Um, so obviously you've said you know, that your father looked at it and went, I don't want to, my dog to have that experience. Most people, I suppose, are unaware of the difference between what you offer versus what your traditional service that happens at the vet is. So what is the difference? What is the difference between what you get as a normal standard vet? Um, you know, in my history, we went to the vet, the vet sorted out, I had no idea about what happened to our previous family dogs. Um, I do know what happened to my old Leo um, because he came to you. So what is the actual difference? Yeah, great, great question. Um, look, I mean, before I before I go into this, I think it's important to understand that 31 years has gone by. This probably what goes on behind the scenes at the vets hasn't actually changed much in 31 years in terms of the, the standard company that comes round in a long wheelbase van once or twice a week, subject to how big the vets is. They will load pets from their freezers, chest freezers. They call it cold storage, but the reality is most vets haven't got the space to have a cool room um, or mortuary. They, they have a chest freezer in a shed or in their main building if they've got space. So the pets are taken out. They're, put it, they're in two different kinds of bags. You've got one kind of bag which has a label on the outside where they get the ashes back. And you have another one which is for mass cremation. Um, it's called communal cremation. Uh, I sort of feel there are very few places that actually offer a proper communal cremation where a small group of pets is placed in together respectfully and the ashes uh, are scattered or, or, or interred in a memorial garden in the crematorium mm -hmm. grounds. Um, the most, what mainly happens with mass cremation is, is huge amounts of animals are are basically processed you know uh mass cremated and then they are landfilled into either a site that might be on the crematorium grounds or uh it might be off site at a licensed premises that can take those ashes and and that can be a landfill site um wow so it's like i guess and and, and this follows through right with 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 what we do and, and, and that that kind of normal way of doing it because the the thing that struck my father and, and certainly me still today is the lack of respect that goes on and and you know what the vet nurses and the vets don't like it either so it's right. not like um they're kind of complicit in it all it's just that's what they have to work with so when vets find us and you know the industry the veterinary industry has has corporatized in the last I don't know what it is now, 15, 20 years or something, when they were allowed to, corporates were allowed to buy vets, you've gone from lots of independent vets to there being like a domination by about four big, big companies owning sort of six to 800 vets across the country. Wow. So it's gone from being like a, almost like an annoyance to them of like, if, if no one asked for uh, an individual cremation, they wouldn't ask the question. It would just be like, okay, they haven't asked, so they'll go for communal or mass cremation. And then you've got what's happened now, which is it's become monetized. So the big kind of corporate cremation companies, some of which now are owned by vets, um, will offer like a cheap price, like £50 uh, to the vet, and mm -hmm. then vet charges what they want to the client. So, you know, if, if you were a vet, um, you're you're basically being offered a massive carrot to go, look, you know, you, you can sell this company's services uh, for, I've seen it as much as £450 in some London vets. Wow. Uh, so you're making £400 for arranging... Uh, that pet to be collected by the company that's coming anyway every week. Um, you know, I've seen out of hours vets offer uh, cremation services for more money than the day vet, but then it's the same company coming in the same van to collect both sets of pets. So, you know, for me, that doesn't sit well. Um, mm. my, my mum and dad started this 
because of ethics and, and, and the ethics of, of dignity is something that, that I feel is really important that, that we um, continue to be a shining light in terms of doing the right thing, which is one of our values on, on making sure pets are looked after, clients are given a choice and and literally you can come here and bespoke the service to your needs. So I guess flipping it from that kind of long wheelbase body bag kind of view, the way we do it is uh, you phone us or the vet phones us and says there's this pet sadly who's passed away. We would like this dog, cat, hamster, guinea pig, whoever it might be, to be collected. So we will go out responsively, normally the same day, but if it's later in the day, it could be the following day. We will take with us a pet bed. We will lay the doggy in a bed. Um, and that's lined in something called creme film, which is used in the human industry uh, to line coffins with. Um, okay. So after we pass away, the one thing that happens um, is we relax. So uh, there can be kind of some fluid loss. They can have a wee. Sometimes as well, and it's something probably it's important for the listeners to know this as well, is that sometimes there can be fluid coming from their nose. Um, and it's quite a frightening experience if you've not experienced death a lot. And and obviously for us, we see it all the time. And it's just a natural process where if they've had some fluid on their lungs, so that could be because they had a heart condition or cancer or other illness, that fluid, the easiest way it travels when they're laying on their side and they've passed away is through their nose. So it's nothing untoward. It's normally like a pinky kind of colour. Um, and 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 that's something that can happen. So if, if you lose a pet or have lost a pet in the past and, and, and you've experienced that, it is just a natural process taking place. Um, sorry, I digress. Um, so, no, yeah, it's so, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that, I say, frightens a lot of people. And, and when mm. people bring their pet to us, sometimes the movement in the car can cause it to happen when it hadn't happened at home. Course, yeah. So it becomes a bit of a shock for them. Um, so, yeah, so 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 we're based on on sort of looking after that pet respectfully, which falls beautifully in line with what the majority of, of veterinary staff want for their own pets and, and for the clients that they've helped for like 10, 15 years. You know, they don't want to trust that pet up in a bag and put it in a chest freezer, knowing that 10 minutes later, there could be a much larger animal going on top of that pet they've just put in the freezer. It's not nice. It's not a nice thought. Um uh, so, yeah, laying them in, into a bed, perhaps with some of their belongings. Um, you know, sometimes we look after pets that have got a toy or a treat and we encourage owners to bring stuff along. Um, if, for example, you know, it's a family and they've got children, we've got like colouring books um, in in the, the room so that, that if they're coming in, not only it helps the, the, the children kind of express themselves, but keeps them a little bit busy doing something that they can place with their pet whilst their mum and dad can actually say a proper goodbye whilst they're doing something. So um, we try and personalise it and encourage it because when you have had a dog die, you're just, I mean, I, I remember my dog, Mikey, had a sarcoma, so he had a big cancer on his shoulder and, and we knew it was coming and then one night he suddenly downturned and at the point we were trying to get him in the vehicle to to get him to the vet the out of hours vet actually he passed himself um i think it's the first time he's ever saved us money um bless him. um so so yeah it knocked me for six you know i do this every day and 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 the day i become immune to how everyone's feeling and my own feelings are is the day i should not be doing this anymore uh, so when you know when he died it just knocked me for six and it reminded me actually how difficult it is for people coming to us um, since then I've had another dog Brax who we had to manage the end of life care a palliative care kind of thing and, and um, again knew the day was coming but it just doesn't prepare you for it uh, and he was helped over by a wonderful oncologist vet um, called Car Caroline Primack and, and she came to the home and uh, had him we had him put to sleep at home and, and that encouraged me to to 
put in a, a directory. So we now have like an online home euthanasia uh, oh, directory yeah, on, on the website. So a lot of people don't want their pet put to sleep at the vets, ideally. Uh, it's a traumatic experience going into that vet, knowing what's yes, going to happen. Of course. Vets are stretched more than ever before with their time and staffing. Um, and I know the whole world is like understaffed at the moment for a number of reasons but uh especially in the uk with vets they've really struggled since uh covid where a lot of foreign vets went back home and didn't come back afterwards yeah and, and so getting out to people's homes has been really difficult so so we work with a number of specialist home euthanasia vets um who literally that's what they just that's all they do uh, and they go out to people's homes and carry out that put to sleep um in the the comfort and quietness of the garden or the home wherever and then either the owner or the vet brings them to us or we go and collect the pet from the people's home um and developing on from that next year i'm actually bringing in uh hopefully if we can if we can afford to do it a, a, like a garden pod um so okay. the idea being that that sometimes people don't want them uh their, their, their dog put to sleep at, at home um they don't want it at the vet so if we can offer a space that is like a quiet space away that that is i guess like in line maybe with everything as well because of them perhaps bringing them on to us afterwards anyway but they can have a you know their pet euthanized in in this pod um or in the little garden bit i'm going to create uh, and then take them away somewhere else, take them for home burial if they want. You know, they don't have to use dignity services. Yeah. Um, but it just offers that third kind of option that really isn't out there where people can have that kind of neutral space because mm. a lot of people don't want to go back. I think there's an attrition rate, right, of 19% of people not going back to their vet after they've had their pet put to sleep at that vet. I can, I can understand that. It brings back lots of memories. It's a difficult yeah. first visit back yeah exactly yeah so it's like uh and again people i you know people when their pets are put to sleep at home they they know the spot you know mm. and that can be kind of almost it can be a massive comfort but equally it can be too hard for people and they just you know they don't want to live there anymore um yeah i actually actually uh i think we we when we've spoken before i, I mentioned I, I we offer a, 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 a home exhumation service yeah. so when people's pets um have been buried at home again in in their grief people like um, you know i don't want them to be taken away somewhere i want them just just laid to rest at home and then they do it and then they regret it some people instantly other people at the point where they're going to move house uh, so we come in and we uplift the remains respectfully and cremate them and and then they take them off wherever they're going next so yeah there's uh, again there's a there's a lot more to it than meets the eye of just Absolutely. okay we, we you know we cremate pets and give ashes back there's so so much more to it there's a whole service. And I remember, obviously, you spoke about you, know, you can leave something with you. I remember when I first, when obviously I knew I was losing my my dog um, and I rang up and sort of said, what, what's the process? Um, being told that we could put things with him and send things up with him on his journey was wonderful. Um, my girls were about five, five and seven, six and eight-ish at the time. Um, so for them to be able to leave a special teddy, give him a blanket, write him a note, draw him a picture and hit that to go with him was a huge part of their sort of process of saying goodbye. And again, it's not something I'd ever sort of realised was a possibility. So as you say, it's that, that extra special touch that makes what you do so special um, to help people, not just with the saying goodbye, but with the grieving process afterwards as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like we're we're part of an association. So my dad actually helped found it many years ago, back in 1993. Um, and basically, it, it's places on similar lines. We all have different facilities, but we all sign up to a code. And that code is about helping the person through their grief journey uh, honestly, 
openly with transparency so you know the service you're going to get uh, and this is probably the the hardest part for people when you're in a grief state one in seven things goes in that's it so you imagine you've just had your pet put to sleep at the vet and the vet's asking what you want to do immediately that's too soon to be in a right frame of mind for most yeah. people to make an informed decision and when they don't tell you that the pet's going to be taken off and maybe wait in a freezer for a week, you're kind of making a decision without having all the facts. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, what we try and do is be transparent on everything. And this association, which is called the APPCC, which is the Association of Private Pet Cemeteries and Crematoria. And there are members dotted around the UK um, and, and, and Ireland and, and also Europe that all sign up to that code they're all independently inspected so people regardless of whether they've got a facility like mine and, and and you know we've done a great deal since originally having this brick kiln and a little tiny kind of wooden building at the start we've just continually developed and developed so we've now got sort of state-of-the-art uh, farewell rooms we've got now a brand new building which is going to be opening uh in hopefully january if we can get it sorted um and, and that's where people come and collect their pets ashes from and can wait and have um like a refreshment you know if they if they come from some distance um so yeah it, it varies from place to place uh there, there's i guess probably if if i was going to be putting my shoes in in a in a pet owner uh perspective that hasn't had a pet pass away for like 10 years or what have you it's really hard to know what to do mm. so i guess out of this uh one of the things I'd, I'd just say to people is is when when that event happens or when you know it's going to happen really as soon as 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 before you know something's going to happen you can find out the information and then revisit it later you know years later but there's a I've got a website called petcremationservices.co.uk. It's a separate website that gives people advice on what questions to ask, what the pitfalls are, um, you know, so that you can opt out if you want of, of that vet's uh, service. You can stay with them. It might be the best service uh, that they that, that's out there that they offer. Uh, but if you find out, you know, just asking, you know, who, who owns the company? Because, as I say, more often than not, it's actually owned by a veterinary company. And I'm not saying that that means they're going to be awful, but they operate to a certain way because of the scale of their operation. So, you know, finding out how my pet's going to be stored, how they're going to be transported, how they're going to be cremated, how are they identified? All these kind of things are simple questions that you don't think of when your loved ones just died. Um, of course. Because it's just too much, you know. So mm. I don't know, in your situation, um, how far ahead did you think? Well, I, I researched as soon as I saw your, your social media posts pop up. I was like, oh, I'm going to look into that. Um, and I did the research probably a good... I mean, he was 15, just, just shy of his 15th birthday. So we knew the end was nigh. You know, we knew he wasn't going to continue forever. So I think it was really a couple of years before we lost him. Um, and I researched, I looked at it, I was like, without a doubt, that's where I'm going. Um, so I knew at the time, you know, when we knew it was happening, um, I think it was about three days before, I was like, right, I'm going to ring them up, I'm going to find out what happens and I'm going to get it sorted. But I already had the the knowledge and the awareness so I wasn't doing it from a grief perspective. And I'm quite a, a organiser. Um, so my way of coping with with things like grief is let's get organised. Um, so for me, it was I know what I want. Um, I didn't go down to the nitty gritty, but I knew that I was not going to use my vets. I knew I was going to use your services. Um, and then a couple of days before I could arrange it all. We hadn't said goodbye yet, but we were about to. It was booked in. We were booked in in advance. We knew what we wanted. We ordered everything we wanted. We asked for all the like the paw prints and what um, urn we were going to have. So all of that was prepared so that I could go into, obviously going into the vets and having input to sleep, knowing what was happening afterwards. And that yeah. for me meant that 
it wasn't a I'm responding now I'm grieving it was I've prepared for it everything's in place and that helped me feel more in control um but I say if you don't know about it in advance you just wouldn't know to do that you don't know it's an option and I think most people don't know it's an option that's right it's I mean look it's, it's always been even if you look at the human industry right it's always been a taboo subject death we don't want to think about it I mean who does um but yeah it, it doesn't hasten your death any quicker or those that of your loved ones or your dogs um to think about it and, and have a plan uh so yeah mm -hmm. so that that website um is is like there to help people just think about it um and and obviously you know dignity is there for that purpose to help families um and it's yeah, it, I, I think the thing that we probably forget as well, and, and thinking back to Brax, uh, when we discovered he had cancer, um, you actually start grieving at the point of hearing something really, some really bad news. Mm, absolutely, so, yeah. So, um, and, and we you don't realise it at the time because everyone thinks about grief being after the event. Um but you can have this kind of preemptive grief uh, and and at the point where, yeah, you're even when they're getting a bit older, you can start grieving for them uh, and have start having some feelings and emotions towards it. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's better to be prepared than not equally like with grief. I mean, we have like access to uh, pet bereavement counsellors. There's a yep. couple of sort of nice uh, befriending kind of uh, phone services that are run by Blue Cross and also Cats mm -hmm. Protection for helping, and, and they call it pet bereavement support. And I think it's important distinction to make because uh, some people do need more uh, help uh, processing the death of their pet. And uh, whereas we can try and support, the vets can try and support and so there's these bereavement lines that can kind of give access to someone who they can talk to and not have to be judged like family and friends sometimes can judge you and, and, and try and help by saying some like niceties, but actually don't end up. And you get then the other flip side of the coin, you get, let's say, like a aunt or uncle or whoever who who's never had a pet, doesn't understand, they don't understand. bond. And then come out with kind of some of these, and there's like a top ten of worst things to say, and you know it's like, oh, you, know, you could get another one. Or, or, I remember or, someone saying that to my mum when dog. we first lost our dog, our very first dog. Don't worry, you'll get another one. I was like, that's really not helpful. <laughs> um, and you can be yeah, afraid not, of. Well, yeah. it's just a dog. It's just a dog. But oh, for yeah. most people, you know, you do look after your dog as if you would a child. Um, and they are a huge part of your life. Even the family members that maybe tolerate having a dog, um, they are still a huge part of your family, a huge part of your life. Um, and I think you're right in sort of today's society, a lot of people, especially if they haven't had dogs, would say, well, I don't know what the fuss is, it's just a pet. So it's there's a lot of barriers when it comes to, to grief around animals and, and losing pets for sure. Yeah, I mean, you think about lockdown, right, and the, the amount of people who, who who got dogs who probably wouldn't have ever done so. Uh, mm. I know it's caused its own issues, but equally, do you know, I know several people who who have opened their eyes now and, and the fear they may have had um, of dogs, and then they've got one themselves, and it's just transformed their lives. Um, and, yeah, they're never just a dog or just a cat. Uh, we help uh, some some of the listeners may may know the name Endel, uh, who was named Dog of the Millennium, uh, and and this wonderful dog was owned by a chap called Alan Parton, who's an amazing man in his own right. He started Hounds for Heroes, uh, placing assistance dogs uh, with ex-service personnel, uh, and and he himself was in the Royal Navy. And uh, he was at the point and there's a great he's got a best selling book. I think they may even be talking about doing a film as well. Uh, but but this dog saved his life, saved his marriage. And he's 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 openly says this in his book, uh, having met Alan 
a few times uh, and sadly him having brought Endor to us and also uh, his other family pets as well. Um, I mean, he's an inspiration, but how can anyone imagine the bond that he has had with this dog who has literally saved his life? Um, mm. uh, it's just awe inspiring, you know, they're there. So, so, you know, looking after, uh, say, all sorts of animals, I mean, you know, from goldfish right the way through to Great Danes. Um, it, it just, uh, the one thing that struck me when I got, I remember many years ago when I was first doing this, I wasn't really a rabbit person or a, a sort of guinea pig person or hamster person, really. Uh, I never really had those as, as a child growing up. And but I tell you, very quickly when you when you started here, you learned that it wasn't about the size or species of the animal. It's the bond that we mm. create and they create co-create together with you know with each other. So um yeah, that, that phrase it's just a dot 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 is just ridiculous when you've had a bond. Uh, we're their uh, guardians in life, you know, and, and, and they give us stuff um, that no one else can, no human can. You know, we Absolutely, can sit and yeah. have conversations with them, animals, you know. Yeah, and they're always um, there listening here. They seem to know your emotions. They know how to support you. Um, they are a lot more trustworthy than most humans. So, they, yeah, they exactly, have that, yeah. that amazing relationship with you. So it's definitely not so just. Um... I guess that's yeah, and, and that's so. Uh, but it is. It's a common thing, and 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 probably if you know if you if 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 people are listening and and they've had a friend who's sadly had had their dog die, um, and and wondering you know what what can I do here? Uh, probably the, I I'd just say the the most important thing to do is be there to listen. Um, don't try and um make it better because you can't everyone goes on their own grief journey but just as sometimes a bit of reassurance as well because the one thing we all do um is we feel guilty for making the decision i think it's 80 something percent of of animals are, are put to sleep uh, rather than die naturally so you know that's a huge amount of people that have had to make a decision that they don't want to make for themselves but are having to in the best interests of their loved one yeah um and and they're doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason for their dog but not for them so how, imagine just how that messes with our brains um oh absolutely yeah it, it's a tough one um it's the last thing we can do out of love for them but just so just having someone be able to give a bit of reassurance that actually, you, you know, you're doing you're not you're doing the unselfish thing. You're doing the thing that a good uh, pet parent would do, which is um, you're, you're being unselfish and making that decision to help them over when that time is 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 the best time for them. Of course, we all crucify ourselves over when is the best time. And the other thing that happens then is that we also criticise ourselves over, was I too early? Was I too late? Yes. Yeah. You're going to have those thoughts and feelings. Should um, I have tried extra medication? A... Should I have done this? Yeah. Should I have got a second opinion? Yeah. Should have, would have, could questions have. questions get asked. Hmm. And, and that comes into uh, nicely into a bereavement model. Uh, called the Kubler-Ross grief curve or change curve, uh, K-U-B-L-E-R, Kubler-Ross. Um, and and there's like a X amount of stages of grief. It varies. Uh, it's normally sort of five or so, but it can be a little bit less or more depending on the interpretation. The way The way I kind of simplify it back a stage further is actually looking at Newton's third law. And that's the one where there's each each action has an opposite and equal reaction. So the event, like say, like grief, um, you know, your 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 pet dies. Um, the you need the energy needs to come out. So you have this event happen, but the reaction is that your thoughts, feelings, emotions 
the pain of the event need to emerge. They need to come out. Um, perhaps he's oversimplifying it, but the, the, the sort of like when you get into it a bit more, the Kubler-Ross grief curve just explains how um, an event happens and, and there's blame internal. So you're blaming yourself. There might be blame external. If it's an accident and, and someone, you know, sadly run over your, your, your dog or it could be a vet made a mistake or what have you. Uh, there's that blame going externally. There's um, anger can come out, a huge amount of anger, um, shock and denial. You know, you could literally just be knocked off your feet by it all. So there's there's so many there's like an explosion of thoughts and feelings and emotions that happen and you can't stop them. It's like trying to, you've got a pot of boiling water on the stove and you get a lid and you try and force it down and keep it on top. It, at some stage, it's going to bubble over and burn you. Um, so I guess if I was going to offer a piece of advice today, it would be just take the lid off. So when these events happen, and as I say, it can be like, when you hear the piece of bad news that means sadly there's going to be an end of life situation happening let it out then start letting it out and but don't burden yourself with these um thoughts and feelings that need to come out so like like you said there uh Debbie, the, the, the sort of um what i could have done should i have done this should i have done that but what if um all those things happen that needs to come out but it doesn't mean they're real thoughts and feelings that you need to hold on to that you are responsible for this and you are responsible for that it just is the pain coming out in those various thoughts and feelings so if you can kind of accept that during grief you're going to have all of this stuff splurging out the whole time and it needs to come out but don't hold on to it, because if you imagine you're walking around with an emotional rucksack, if each one of those thoughts and feelings is a rock and you're piling them in the back of your rucksack, what this grief curve shows is that if you're doing all of that, you'll go down and you'll slide down into the depths of anxiety and depression. And it's pretty hard with that rucksack on to try and climb out the other side. So, um the kind of curve shows an acceptance on the other side uh, of, of, of the event. And you can get to that by building a bridge rather than going down into the dip. Just just by accepting the thoughts and feelings and emotions that are coming out. I say guilt being the, for us pet owners, that, that's the one that gets to us the most. Yeah. And accepting, actually stepping back sometimes out of like the emotion of the event and looking back over the one, two, three, 10, 15 years that they've been a part of your family and the love that you've given them. You know, I, I, I for my last, I don't know how many dogs have been rescued dogs uh, from different places that they would have been dead if they hadn't come to live with me. And um, they had a bloody wonderful life. You know, I still criticise myself uh, with Brax and what could I have done um, differently but then actually when I think his at the time he came from Greece and, and his entire pack of dogs that he was with stray dogs were poisoned he was the only one that survived that poisoning and um, he was picked up he was being like uh, like stones thrown at him and stuff by by the people out there and, and he was sort of going out at night to try and find a bit of food and stuff anyway he, he was lucky enough to get picked up on a neutering scheme and they neutered him, went to take him back out to, to release him. And he just sat in the car, apparently, and didn't want to move. Oh, lovely. So he became one of the lucky ones. Yeah. He, 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 and he, he had a lucky life he with was, you. Uh, well, he, I think he did land on his feet pretty well, you know, and he <laughs> gave so much to us. But but equally, you know, I know we gave him a lot. So So I guess getting back to that whole grief curve thing, if if you can look at it and step yourself out of that event where all those emotions are coming from that can be quite negative emotions erupting. Right. Step yourself back out and think, well, that time that they had with us, how lucky are we? But how lucky are they? So how lucky are both parties to have had that relationship? And it kind of 
steps you out of that, as I say, spiral that you can go down. Um, accept those other emotions that are going to come up. They need to. The pain needs to come out. Get over to the other side of acceptance. That grief will still be with you. Um, the pain of losing them is with us till the day we die. Um, oh, it changes, doubt, you know. Yes. Um, and even now, and, you know, and, years later, you can still well up thinking about them because they were so incredible. Um, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, you still, if you stop and think about them, I don't know about you, but I still think, oh, goodness, and start, you know, getting a little bit teary thinking they were so wonderful. And, you know, we had a lovely life together. Um, and I suppose that kind of ties in with when, again, with your service, that, you know, you did the right thing at the end and did the best thing for them and they had the best care. So it, it all kind of comes back to that. Yeah, you're right. It's it's <sighs> the other thing is, right, is we lose control of a situation because we don't want to make that decision mm. um and and it, or it could be a like a horrible accident that tragic accident that happens or anything but we lose control of the situation so part of when we were starting this up and mum and dad were like creating what they were trying to do here respect was a huge thing uh responsiveness was really important as well because you know leaving a pet for a week it in a freezer somewhere you know no one wants to think of their pet there so we always make a courtesy call or text to the, to the client when when their pets arrive with us so they know they're yes. in our care yeah. and that just helps but it's also about the personalization which is actually about we look at it as it it's like you taking back control mm. of a situation that you really were being swept along by so we're not there to like sell you anything. I mean, I, I you know, the paw print is um, something that I, I always speak about with people that, you know, if you're going to have one thing, I'd say the paw print is is just a lovely something that you can keep. I've got, you can't probably see it here. I've got, I know we're, we're people can are listening, but I've got um, for, for anyone that's on YouTube, or whatever. I, I'm just holding up um, my little medallion. That probably makes a wrong impression as to the thought process of their <laughs> visual theme. But it's like dog tags, what I've got on here. And I've got my kids on, on one of the tags and I've got my two dogs, Brax and this Willow, oh, on the other me. tag and their paw prints. So I've got those handprints and paw prints there by my heart. And mm. that just came through doing a simple inkless paw print. Um, so, yeah, just so, you know... But again, that personalization, like getting people to like make decisions what they would like, it can be hard for people, but it also gives back control of a situation to them. Um, so, yeah, we try and do that. Um, we're not there to sell anything. Um, it, it's just like you choose what you want uh, that's right for you. And if that's, you know, if, for example, you know, quite a few times let's say if the person is some way away and they were didn't have an opportunity to place something with their pet of their own and, and didn't want to come over and see them that last time then i'll go out to the garden i'll ask their permission for them you know me to do so and and go and cut a flower from our garden and just place them with their pet so that they know they've got something with them that's from their love to to their dog or cat um and and, and that just is a nice little way of 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 just expressing yeah. the love and um you know we also you know that say so from one extreme of just you know them not coming here and and stuff we also have the other extreme which is um a family bringing their pet along uh we've had various occasions where they brought priests celebrants uh my actual my local reverend is my old uh, classics teacher and and uh she comes along and helps conduct services for people if they want it. Um, Amazing. And it's just, yeah, it just personalises it uh, to people. And, and and that's what we're all about. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, it's a wonderful service just to you know, really look at not just the person, but the pet and everyone's treated with that utmost respect. I suppose a question I have for you is... This must play a big part on your mental health and your staff's mental health because you're giving so you're, you're supporting people at their most one of the most difficult times. 
you're providing such a thought out, cared for, personalised service. It must be take its toll on yourself, your staff. How do you guys continue staying strong to support other people? Yeah, so the technical term is compassion fatigue syndrome. Yes. Uh, and, it, and, and, it, and it goes into like different industries that are caring industries, um, mm -hmm. you know, doctors, nursing, the vets, especially and vet nurses, you know. Um, I used to get completely drained uh, each day. Uh, my battery level was like 1% by the end of the day um, because I wanted to give and 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 um there's kind of a difference between supporting and then draining yourself so uh one of the things we help the team with and, and i had to learn is you can be there to support and reassure someone through their grief journey without completely draining yourself that's easier said than done um i can imagine because you've because you feel you feel people's pain. I can always remember going to a home collection, a wonderful Doberman, and everything had gone really well. We'd placed uh, their dog respectfully in the hearse uh, on a stretcher because it was such a big dog. Uh, so laying peacefully with one of our blankets over them. And uh, just as I was about to leave, the guy said, oh, is it OK if my sister comes to just say goodbye first and I said oh, of course and uh, I stepped back and, and this I don't know how old she was at the time um eight eight nine she came up and she just gave this dog a massive hug round the neck and cried and that was it I was gone you know you 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 kind of and grief is interconnected right so you know, my both my parents sadly now have passed. Their ashes are actually beneath the monkey puzzle tree, uh, which is in our garden here and has now just been transformed into our charity tree for Christmas. It's got baubles oh, hanging off it, all money bags. It look honestly, it's uh if anyone goes on the Dignity Pet Crematorium Facebook page, you'll see pictures and videos of it. It is just stunning. And I say we've got these baubles that you can buy for charity for that tree, but also for your home Christmas tree that oh, like has okay. got the, the photos of you know personalize it with the photos or the name of your pet on uh and, and and to hang up on the on on your own tree or as i say the charity one here um but yeah with both mum and dad having died there's there's times where that kind of emotion erupts in me that also then has like a chain link back to other losses so it could be the loss of Brax or, or, or Mikey. It could be the loss of my dad or mum. Yeah. Um, and, and you find that this happens as well in everyone. So it's trying to, I think the more you understand about the kind of feelings and emotions, so we train the team here up in, in grief support and stuff, and it helps them understand more to be able to cope with their own thoughts and feelings. Because, again, there's a button that can be pressed every now and again. Uh, you don't know it's coming. And yes, suddenly, absolutely. Yeah, someone, yeah, they can say something, and and you know, people now might be just thinking back to to a dog that they've lost, and uh, in the past that that's sadly passed away. And it's you say it, there's a there's a grief model. I think he's I think it's called Tonkin's grief model, which is um, it's it's called growing with grief. If you Google image it, it's really cool. It's it's, it's there's various interpretations of it but the idea is like we said a, a few minutes ago that that grief is all well it's all consuming at the start if you imagine it like a bubble that circle the grief and you is the same size and then as you go on through life that grief doesn't leave you it stays there proportionally as you grow through life it gets smaller uh proportionally and then you know at the end of our lives it's still with us but i i guess i i look at it as as time's gone on in the losses that i've had it kind of changes a bit there's still pain there but there's also a lot of gratefulness of yes. the times that we were able to share uh with those pets and people so 
that's the other thing is, you know, people listening to this might be welling up and thinking about their loved ones that they've they've loved and lost over uh, their life. And and I just say just just for a moment, think about the gratitude that 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 we all have of having those experiences uh, and those those uh, sparks of life, spirits, whatever you want to call them, that makes us who we are and they are keeps uh, with us forever. And and just be be grateful for having that experience. Absolutely. I remember um, my father died um, about 10 years ago now. And I remember at the time the Reverend said, you'll never get over it. You'll always be there. But you'll just learn to live with it. And that will, you know, you'll learn how it will just become the new normal, um, learning to live life without. Um, and that's something I always think about, you know, with you know, people, with dogs, with, with any form of grief, you know, yes, it's it's always going to be there. And as you say, it'll be there under the surface. One day it'll just bubble out over the top. Um, you'll just get used to the feeling, the feeling, and, and as you say, grow around it, um, whether that be a dog or and any other pet as well. Um, but as you say, it's, it's thinking back to all those good times and the memories you've shared and the happy experiences that you've had with sharing life together, um, which is a thought that kind of keeps you going. Yeah, indeed. It's and it can be really hard, right? Because um, I mean, we've had some people. I, I wasn't someone who came here, but 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 I heard uh, about them after the loss of their, I believe it was their cat, and and they committed suicide. Oh wow! Um, uh, and it overwhelmed them so much that um, they took their own life. And goodness. So. I, you know, so I guess the other thing, right, is, is is we've got to think about those around us and how it could affect them um, and be there for them. Uh, and, and if need be, and I, I do like a bereavement talk to vet staff. So I go out there, uh, to, to their practices and do uh, like a CPD lunch and learn kind of thing. So it just gives them a bit more of a toolkit to deal with stuff. And one of the things is is making sure that they can signpost um to uh potentially police if they feel someone's gonna uh do harm to themselves mm-hmm. uh, you know they've got to look for that safeguarding uh and, and again with our uh, families and friends when when people had a loss sometimes it's a little while after because you can have all this big ferrari of stuff going on just after the death but then it can be a month two months after where everything's gone quiet everyone's gone back to juggling all the things they've having to juggle in their lives and it becomes a very lonely place um some people obviously will will go out there and and find another special soul to bring into their lives other people it's getting to the point where they feel they can't do that uh, for whatever reason could be age could be lifestyle circumstances changing yeah yeah um and then that creates an incredible void so um it's really good if you know people who've had a loss just to check in with them um and and uh give them just a little bit of your time uh to support them i say that could just be a listening ear you don't have to try and bring a massive sticky plaster with you and trying to like cover the wound up actually the wound needs to breathe it needs to let out that energy so that can happen through just having talks with people and of course sometimes self-talk it can be one of the worst things because again if, if you don't understand why all these different thoughts are coming up then you start believing them um and that can lead like down a horrible spiral so uh yeah be there i think we're all there for one another uh checking in and, and just doing little things uh to keep their memory alive as well i think that's a wonderful thing to do I'd, you know get, have a portrait done of them um yes yeah uh, you know or go the for wonderful walks. urns you do with the um the shape of the, you know, the breed urns i think are beautiful um i have one of my mantelpiece um and it's lovely just to look at it and you remember and it's a really nice um i'd say way to remember and to commemorate yeah, do you know, actually, most people 
I don't know, you know, how many households there are around the country with, that, that have uh, had had dogs uh, and, and uh, who've passed away and still got the ashes. I would say the majority of people do. Uh, a lot of people go, you know what, I'm going to go and take those ashes and scatter them in a favourite walk and then no. end up 10 years later still having them. Uh, um, you know, some people go and do that. Um, what I'd say is if you are going to go and do that and it's a public spot, take a trowel with you because ashes don't just disappear on the ground. You know, they you, what you want to create a little um, kind of hole in the ground to scatter them into and then cover the, them back over with the soil. You can put some bulbs in uh, to the soil right. as well. Um, but 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 if you, you I've only recently uh, discovered the wonders of the app called What Three Words. Oh, uh, and that gives you, yeah, this kind oh. of uh, three metre square. So actually you could discover or you could choose because it might be three inappropriate yeah. words for your loved one in that spot that you choose. So you might want to like preempt it and Better look, first. okay, yeah. This, yeah, I like these words. Um, but yeah, you could, so that would mark your exact location. Mm -hmm. Now normally people will mark them there. You know, because sometimes, yeah, I mean, there's a thing called neuroplasticity. So our mind, you know, changes. So, uh, you know, we could have a conversation about something. I'll remember one thing. You'll remember another. We've got our both got our own truths. So, like, I, I know it from doing exhumations in people's gardens where someone goes, yeah, they were definitely there. Well, they're not. They were somewhere else. But your mind remembers something different. So. If you can mark the spot in some way, or if it's a public place, if you can use that kind of what three words, so you know that's exactly the spot. And then if family and friends want to go and to that spot, they can do. Mm -hmm. uh, but loads of people scatter. We've got, I mentioned mum and dad's ashes, and actually my grandmother as well, are all in the garden here at Dignity. And we've now got a queue of people wanting to come back with their pets uh, so they've had the ashes, they've taken them away at home. We've got several people already in the gardens who've sadly passed away themselves. And they had booked in, if you like, to, to come back with their pets uh, once their time had come. Um, I always remember a wonderful lady who came to us whose uh, cat actually discovered she had breast cancer or helped her discover through pouring at this mm -hmm. same spot. So she went and got checked out and... Um, uh and and yeah it was discovered that she had a breast cancer it was removed uh she carried on going for several years more as a result so the cat saved her life uh wow. in the meantime the cat passed away and, and as did one of uh, the siblings as well of the cat and and but then sadly she knew it become terminal and she came and chose her spot in our woodland um she uh, went after she passed away her and her two cats uh, beside her have got memorials up there. And then only a year or so ago, her last cat who survived her, uh, she'd already put like um, uh, something in place, sort of veterinary payments and bills and stuff, and her wishes for that those ashes to come here. So her third cat joined her and her other cats in our woodland uh, a couple of years ago. Um so you can have, you know, people are doing that now as well. It's, uh, it's, it, it does. And I don't really fully understand it myself. Uh, I know it provides me with comfort, kind of right. having the ashes. Um, everyone, different horses for different courses. So some people, it's just too much for them. But other people, and it seems a lot of people, in my experience, actually, it really gives them great comfort to have the ashes with them. Um, I've got, we've got a memorial walkway. Uh, and, and we've got niches in the walkway where you can place ashes. The dog I spoke about earlier, Mikey, his ashes are still sitting in there. I know where they're going to go. I know where I want them to go. But I don't know. It just feels a comfort for me for them to be there. So I think probably out of this, the other thing to say is, do you know what? Do what's right for you in all these situations mm. there's um, no right or wrong so if it is no if it is to bury him at home bury him at home if it is to have kind of like a, a a cremation through a company uh that you choose yourself and, it, and that be individual fine if it's that you don't place significance on their body 
uh, and, and you're happy for them to go down that route of a communal cremation, um, go go with that. Do what's right for you. Um, you know, we've provided through dignity one kind of way of doing it respectfully and personalising it. And we even have people come here to attend the cremation so you can actually be present as your dogs placed into the chamber. So, you know, we sort of give all that, but it doesn't mean that that's what you want. So if you want something different, go and do the thing that's right for you. Absolutely. There's, there's, every, we talk about it with dog training as well. You know, it's about what's right for you at that moment. And your service is brilliant. And some people would go, it's not for me, but it's an option, which is the main thing. You've got the option to choose the, the commercials, the individual, or to have, you know, a very bespoke service with you. And that's, that's the main thing that you're providing. That's that option so that people who want to can choose. And I think that is is empowering in itself that people have got that that option because there's nothing worse than you know having only one choice and having to do it if that doesn't sit right with you. So at least and obviously from your websites and all the different um, information you've you've given today, you know at least people can go and research it and find out what the right option for them is. And that's that's the important part to to have the options. As you say knowledge is power. You know to have the options, know what's available, and to then be able to make an educated choice. Completely agree. It's it comes back to Consumer Protection Act, which is is there for us in anything buying a washing machine, buying a cremation service. You need to know what it is. You need to know the facts uh, that would lead you. Uh, to uh, a different service if you knew about them so whereas you know say a lot of the time there's the information isn't put out there that would be stuff that would perhaps put you off that service um, we we literally go from point one to point 100 on on our service online explaining exactly the working practices we have here so that if it's not for you that's not what you want that's fine you know there, there'll be something else out there for you but um not knowing uh and then finding out afterwards what actually mm. happened is devastating so i think it's really important for people to yeah make an informed choice not be rushed as well if they understand people understand that that their pet would potentially be put into depending on what their vet has as storage some form of cold storage whether it be a chest freezer some some of the bigger referral vets now do actually have walk-in cool rooms and that, that's what we have at dignity so you know they could be kept uh for a couple of days to allow the fog to clear to allow you to look into the different places and make an informed decision and that's really important. Yeah, amazing. So this has been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. It's been so informative um, and we've touched on so many different uh, topics um, and areas around um, obviously losing a pet and the services you offer. Um, hopefully the listeners have found it enlightening um, and hopefully given some more choices and options for when that time does come for them. Um all of the links that you've mentioned, we will pop in the show notes so that people can have a little look and click on any links they wish to. Um, but yeah, it's been absolutely amazing to speak to you and to find out so much about what you do. And yeah, I can't personally recommend Dignity enough. So um, it's been really, really nice to speak to you. Any parting Let's words just... that you'd like to leave with our audience? Well, I think I think we've said it all really, which is just just thinking it, think in advance, uh, find out, ask all the questions you need to ask beforehand. So you're not swept along by events and make a decision that later you regret uh, through not giving yourself enough time uh, to find out the facts. Um, and, and really just for you, thank you so much for doing this. I don't get out much, so it's really nice to <laughs> someone to want to talk to me about what I do. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, helping people and the families we've helped over the years and the feeling of like where you've helped them through that journey uh, is is for me I, I get up each day and I say I love what I do which sounds a bit weird but it, it's just yeah helping people at a difficult time so it means a lot that you've had me on uh, oh, and, and thank you for your kind words as well that's really kind oh, that's uh, a pleasure. You know, 
for anyone who is Appreciate listening and obviously this has touched a nerve um and brought up some emotions on um your website there is a link to pet bereavement counselors and support um which again we can pop in the chat and as you guys who are regular listeners will know um we do have our facebook group where our trainers and our training team are in the group every day so if there is if this has um you know brought up some emotions and you just want to share about any lost pets or any feelings you're feeling do pop into our facebook group um whether it's publicly or by sending the admin team a private message just to have a little chat then please feel free to do so um thank you so much it's been wonderful speaking to you thank you thank you for listening to the dynamic dog owner with me debbie potter see you next time